Now back to On the Block with Strick and Austin on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Here on the block on a Wednesday, joined at this time as we are every Wednesday by Evan Bland of the Omaha World Herald. Uh, Evan, for the first time, and it feels like too long, Nebraska didn't lose a midweek game. It didn't win it, but didn't lose it at least. That, that's a half step in the right direction. Can we call it that at least? <laughs> that's true. Yeah, they, they didn't lose it, and they have the chance to win, you know, two games in one day in a few weeks when they you know in, in theory resume that thing against Creighton so yeah baby steps forward and it didn't hurt their RPI this time we we like not hurting the RPI jumping off of that RPI question uh, I saw some people on Twitter saying that Nebraska's postseason chances are win the Big Ten tournament and that's it if they they don't do that it's going to be really tough for Nebraska do you think that's fair or do you think Nebraska has a better shot than maybe some national prognostications are, are giving them of making the tournament without winning uh, the, the conference? Hmm. You know, it's funny. I'm, I'm, I'm going in depth on that uh, today, actually, for a story. And I can tell you that from what I have researched, um, you know, where Nebraska is in the RPI right around 110, I think, as of today, uh, it, it, it's not quite auto birth or nothing, but it's awfully close. And there really just, there aren't a lot of uh, examples in, in recent college baseball, at least at the level where Nebraska is in terms of the big 10, where a team has been able to make up that much ground that quickly. And, and for people that don't know, when it comes to the RPI in college baseball, typically you need to be in the top 40 or so to get an at-large spot uh, and be on the right side of the bubble Rutgers last year was maybe the first or second team out. They probably should have been in. I think their final RPI was like 43 or 44. So that's sort of the gap that Nebraska is looking to close. And when you have 20 regular season games left, including the completion of the the Creighton game, and then you feel pretty good that Nebraska is going to be in the Big Ten tournament, you're you're talking about anywhere from 20, maybe 26 left to figure some things out. And what going against them right now is there just aren't a lot of games left that move the needle. Now, an exception is this weekend where they play at Iowa, which is a top 60 RPI team They play next month, which is a, a similar team. But a lot of uh, basically everybody else is a, a quadrant three or four team, meaning they're in the bottom half of the country. And so, you know, realistically, if you're talking about Nebraska being an at-large team, you you pretty much have to go somewhere in the neighborhood of like 18 and three down Ooh. the stretch just to get in that conversation. The the closest comparison I could find in doing some research was 2018 Purdue. And they, uh, around this time in, in 2018, they were a mid eighties RPI team and they finish, I think it was 18 and three. They make the finals of the big 10 tournament and then they get an at large bid at like a 35 RPI. So, I mean, that's what it took for them to close the gap. Um, you know, 80 spot and Nebraska's uh, beyond 100. So uh, clearly the the auto birth would 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 be the the, the top way to go about it right now. Um, it's not impossible, but that's that's probably a lot less likely at this point. Looking at the schedule, how how high is it fair to hope that Nebraska's RPI can rise? Can it get that 50 50 spot jump that Purdue did? Or are we talking more you know 20 30 spots? Well. It's all, it's all about the context, right? Like Purdue, when they did it in 2018, they beat a couple of ranked 
Big Ten teams along the way that were pretty decent. Indiana was decent. I think Michigan State maybe uh, was the other one. And and so they were able to, I think, go 5-1 and one in those games, and you make up a ton of ground. So, like, clearly the best path for Nebraska is if you go on the road and you were to, to, to sweep uh, Iowa or Maryland and maybe win that other series, you're probably talking about a pretty big jump there. But then, again, you have these midweek games – that are just killer if you drop them. I mean, they still have North Dakota State coming up, another game with Omaha, South Dakota State, another game with Creighton. Like those, at this point in the year, essentially become no-win situations for Nebraska because if you lose, it really dings your resume. And if you win, it really does nothing, and it might even actually hurt you a little bit in that instance too. Just like they swept Northwestern last weekend, and Northwestern was so bad that they dropped in the RPI anyway. So – you know, it, it, again, it's not impossible if you go on some kind of a white hot run here down the stretch, but it's not like the SEC or, or some of your other major conferences, the Big 12, the ACC, where you see those teams also lose midweek games. I mean, uh, you know, Vanderbilt falls to Indiana State last night, for example. LSU loses to Louisiana. But what those teams have is the ability then to go into the weekend and, and play, you know, probably four or five other ranked weekend series down the stretch. And so they can make up for it a lot easier than Nebraska can. So there's really just not much margin for error at this point for Nebraska, even though a lot of the statistics and a lot of the, the individual stars that they have would tell you that this is a postseason caliber team. So college basketball went away from the RPI not too long ago. Baseball still uses the RPI. Volleyball still uses it. Do you think baseball moves to its own sort of net ranking? or Do you think it's stuck in the RPI for some years to come yet? Uh, I think it's, I don't, I haven't heard anything that would suggest that they're moving away from it. And, and I think for baseball, it makes sense because of just the sheer number of games that you play, right? Like you can't necessarily put too much weight on any single baseball game because of how variable it can be. But when you're talking about, you know, a 55 game season by the end, you have a pretty good sense of like, who's good and who's not. And, 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 and of course, the RPI factors in not just your record, but your opponent's record and your opponent's opponent's record. So I think there's a depth there that's probably more valuable um, in at the macro level than, say, basketball, where you're talking just about, you know, 20, 30 games, whatever it might be, uh, that they're evaluating at a given point. So I don't see them necessarily going away from it. I do think it, there's a tendency from the NCAA selection committee <clears throat> at times to put too much emphasis on the RPI. You know, they've stated many times over the years that it's a tool, but it's not the end all be all. But I think you, you look at the history of teams and, and, and sort of the teams that get in and the teams that don't, uh, it, it would suggest pretty strongly that, uh, you know, RPI is a central tour, tool for their evaluation. Last thing with baseball then, Evan, we mentioned the, <clears throat> the game with Creighton suspended last night. They going to play still a full nine inning game that last time after they finish out these last you know two innings and change, or will it be a seven inning game? Uh, I don't know that that's been determined yet. It was kind of a weird deal last night. I mean, Creighton comes out and says, "Yeah, this will resume on uh, I think it's May 9th when the teams are supposed to play back in Omaha." Nebraska wasn't willing to say that yet. They said it at a time yet to be determined. So I think they're still figuring out you know, when that will happen, let alone what that next game will look like. If you stick with the nine, if you go to the seven, uh, I'm sure weather will play a factor at that point too. Um, so I don't know that that's necessarily known at this point, but you know, it, it's not, it's not a tie, right? Like, like there was in San Diego when you're talking about flights and, and these teams not meeting up. I mean, these are teams that are 60 miles apart. And so you would certainly think with 
still a month of, of regular season baseball that they'd be able to find a time to squeeze in the rest of this one. Talking Husker baseball with Evan Bland of the Omaha World Herald. Switching gears to Husker football now. Spring game this weekend, Evan. And now that there's going to be, you know, maybe a whole lot of huge takeaways, anything set in in stone, obviously, through spring. But as you watch the game on Saturdays, you look ahead to it. Are there any aspects of what Nebraska football wants to be under Matt Rule that you're most interested to see at least the vision for based off of what we're shown in the spring game? Yeah, I, mean, I think there's a lot that's that's of interest in this game. I mean, first of all, it's, it, it looks like it's going to be an actual football game, and we haven't seen that in quite a while where, you know, maybe the first half was no contact or, or quarterbacks were in green jerseys. I mean, just the fact that quarterbacks, it looks like they're going to be live for the game. I, I can't think of the last time when that was the case for Nebraska. And so that immediately uh, allows you to better evaluate what those what you're doing what that competition's like i think it allows you to better evaluate uh how the defense can react uh, because we've heard in in some of the scrimmages and some of the workouts that nebraska has done this spring that that's where the offense has really been able to uh, make its move has been with the quarterback run game so how does that look um you know i think there's been it's been sort of a an in in uh, in progress sort of pursuit this spring for coaches especially on defense to figure out where guys go are they are they linebackers? Are they edge rushers? Are they, you know, where, where do they line up? Uh, we're going to get a sense of that finally. Um, you know, positionally, what does that look like? So I think that's interesting. But, you know, I, to me, it's it's the thing that's the most interesting is the quarterback situation. I mean, we, we've seen Jeff Sims film from Georgia Tech, but what does he look like at Memorial Stadium running what Matt Rule and Marcus Satterfield want to run? What is uh, Heinrich Harburg look like now that he's sort of uh, received a second chance with this new as they've been in love with his running ability and his toughness what does uh, Richard Torres look like we haven't seen him really at all in a live situation in Nebraska and, and everyone's um, you know talked about his arm strength and kind of what a little bit more mobile maybe than people give him credit for so like I, I think down the list and and say that there's a lot of interest in how these quarterbacks perform and then you put all of it sort of against the backdrop of, oh, by the way, uh, the transfer portal's open through April 30th, and Nebraska is still uh, roughly 12 or 13 scholarship players over. So I think how the game goes will also inform how this roster uh, continues to sort of winnow down in the in the offseason here moving forward. So lots, lots of really interesting layers to it, and I think it'll be a lot more entertaining, and maybe there's a lot more to take away from it than there have been in previous years. On the quarterbacks, who is Saturday more important for? Jeff Sims, who is in the competition, uh, thick of it for quarterback one, or guys that at least right now seem further down the depth chart in Harburg and Smothers in Purdy and Torres? Yeah, I mean, I think ideally for Nebraska, what you probably are hoping for is that Jeff Sims is clearly the guy, that that he's clearly uh, has the the foot speed and, and has shored up. You know, the ball control stuff that's maybe uh, plagued him a little bit previously previously in his career. Um, I, I think you would hope that that would be the case and that he's your clear guy and that that sort of sets up a competition between him and Casey Thompson when he heals up here into the summer and the fall. But, yeah, I mean, I think there's this this sort of crowd behind those two. And I would still consider Thompson sort of 1A, 1B maybe with Sims. But what, is it, what does that crowd look like after that? You know, we, we've seen Harburg in the spring game a couple of years ago, and he was actually pretty impressive in that uh, particular exhibition. Um, so what does he look like? Chubba Purdy, 
Logan Smothers is still uh, banged up, but he's a guy who's, um, you know, really been committed to the program. I don't know that he's necessarily looking to leave. Um, and then, like we said, Torres and, and, and his return to health now that this is his second go around as a college player. Um, what does that look like? I, I think you probably do want some quality depth, but again, I, I do feel like how the quarterbacks are used, how they perform will, will inform you know, what that attrition looks like at that position and the other positions coming out into the following week. Was it Harburg that threw that walk-off Hail Mary in a spring game? Mm-hmm. That's what, yeah. that's what it was. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. He, he, I mean, he, he was pretty impressive in that game. And you think about his high school career at Kearney Catholic. I mean, he was a passer at that time. And you think about, especially at that level of football in Nebraska, typically asked, are asked to run um, and, and he could have run and, and put up big running numbers, but he was a thrower there. So I'll, I'll be fascinated to see how much Nebraska likes him on Saturday uh, running the ball versus throwing the ball too. I think that again, just sort of further informs what their uh, intent is with that position and how they evaluate Harburg moving forward. The guys protecting the quarterbacks on the offensive line, the reports uh, from Donovan Raiola and guys that talk says that the offensive line was slimmer. Uh, is that just as simple as they're cutting bad weight, getting more muscular, or is that a concerted effort to get more athletic offensive linemen to you know get further upfield out on the edges more? Yeah, I think it's the latter. I mean, Matt Rule has said it a couple times this spring. Uh, there are a few central sort of goals that they had this this spring, whether that's coming together as a team and and, and culture wise and in installing the the schemes. But the third one that he's repeated a couple times is they wanted to be more uh, flexible and improve their mobility. And I think that starts with the line, certainly when you're talking about winning leverage and moving your man and being the lower person, uh, you know, in terms of leverage to to move that other person on the other side. Uh, So, yeah, I'll be curious to see. I mean, he's mentioned guys like Bryce Benhart, who he's he's come out and said, yeah, I think he's an NFL player. And he's been a guy who struggled at Nebraska, um, you know, with some of the previous strength and conditioning um, developments that he's had. So I'll be fascinated to see how, how much of a different player he is. What does Turner Corcoran look like in, in maybe more of a slimmed down setting as well? Um, yeah, so I, I think that'll be fascinating. What does is, what is Nuri Nuwili look like, uh, you know, a year removed from when we've last seen him, really a year and a half when you talk about his suspension? Um, it, it's, a, it's a position that certainly relies on technique and toughness and, and being older and stronger. Um, but the way that Nebraska wants to build these guys, uh, I do think is different from what it had done under the previous staff. And will be interesting to see if that's evident, even as soon as this weekend. Last thing for you, Evan, if there's an, an offense versus defense matchup, you're interested to see on Saturday, who, uh, which players or which position groups are those? Hmm. That's a good one. Uh, you know, I want to see what the tight ends can do for personally. I think sort of that, that intermediate battle between say a Thomas Fedoni uh, and Eric Gilbert, maybe uh, a Janarin Bonner. Uh, what do those guys do at sort of the second level against a guy like Luke Reimer or against a guy like MJ Sherman or chief Borders? Like, I think those, there's a lot of uh, intrigue there because it, on paper, certainly Nebraska is upgraded from an athletic standpoint at that second level. Um, and, and, and when you talk about the tight ends, uh, you know, if, if Gilbert and Fedoni are indeed two of Nebraska's better playmakers, then what do those packages look like when they're on the field? So I think just the, the upgrade in athleticism, I think will be most evident at those two positions. So what does that look like 
who wins those battles. Um, you know, how much does does each respective unit sort of lean on those guys to set the pace? Uh, I think that'll be a lot of fun to watch on Saturday. Seven Bland of the Omaha World Herald with us here on the block. Follow him on Twitter at checkoutomaha.com to make sure you see what Evan's up to for Husker baseball and football coverage. Evan, as always, we appreciate it. Have a good rest of your week. Enjoy the spring game. Thanks, Austin. You too. Evan Bland of the Omaha World Herald with us. We'll step aside on the other side. We're playing the shootout. Uh, $15 to Buffalo Wings and Rings on the line for you if you can take down Eric Strickland in a game of trivia. We're going Major League Baseball style this time. We started the show talking a little bit of baseball. We're going to get a little further into it with some uh, leaders, whether it's teams or players. So the shootout comes your way on the other side. 402-464-5685. Take on Strickland Trivia next.